Hey, this is John with Catholic for Rednecks. Thank you for dropping by the podcast. I don't know how you got here, but I'm glad you're here. I was born and raised Southern Baptist right here in Alabama. Then one night, Christmas Eve, 2013, I found myself at a midnight mass, and I never looked back. I love being Catholic. I think it's the greatest thing I've ever found in my life, and I'd like for you to know more about it. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions about the Catholic faith, shoot me an email to catholic4rednextpodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to getting to know you. Just relax and listen to a few episodes. Thank you for coming. Thursday morning, everyone out there in YouTube land. Today is Thursday, which means I get to pray my very favorite mystery, the Luminous, which were added by Pope John Paul II, who is now a saint, a recognized saint of the Catholic Church, and they're my favorite. Okay, let's see. Who do we have here today? Mary H. Kateri Gaines, Mary H. J. R. Files. Let me make sure this is the right ones. My producer's not here, and my director's not here. And so I'm doing everything by myself. Let me make sure I'm on the right page. If it seems like I don't know what I'm doing, you're right, because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to get to a certain screen. I invited several people to be a guest today, but no one was able to. That's okay. Yay! Frontline TV, what happened? I thought you renamed the channel. Hey, Frontline. Yeah, I did an experiment. First thing I did, I asked all my subscribers if they thought that if I went from Catholic for Rednecks to Catholic Conversion Stories, would it help? Because I've always been concerned about the name Rednecks maybe being misunderstood, misconstrued by someone and out of millions of views since I started this channel, I think I've gotten three emails of people that thought that I was either racist or only trying to reach white people or something. And I know how big tech is, people like, Twitter, Facebook, and all. They have flag words and their algorithms, and I've always wondered if the name Catholic for Rednecks was uh, sort of messing me up. You know, maybe it was flagged because every social media account I get on, I get banned or shadow banned. And, and this one here, you know, I was on YouTube for a long time. 
and got up to about 3,000 subscribers. And then COVID hit. I got locked out for a year. Then I came back. And um, also, I had the number four, four rednecks. I wondered if having a four would was hindering the algorithms. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I have no idea how this works. There's people out there that have channels with 10,000 subscribers that say they make $300,000 a year. I don't know. I made, I've made a couple hundred, I think, lifetime off of YouTube. Instagram pays better. I make about, I think I make about 200 a month on Instagram when I'm not being banned. And right now I am banned. But I know some Catholic influencers on uh, Instagram that make like $75 a post. And I know some that's made hundreds of dollars off of one post. And they post all the time. Send me an email after the show. I'll give you some tips. Okay, Frontline, my email is on my channel about section. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. So I put out a poll to ask my subscribers and viewers what they thought. And most of them said, do not change the name. And then I changed it anyhow to uh, Catholic Conversion Stories because I wanted to be able to Google uh, people that were looking to become Catholic. They Google conversion and they see conversion stories. And then I had trouble getting people on here to tell me their conversion story. But I got some good viewers, some good guests lined up. Got one tomorrow. Um, new girl on Instagram. Just saw her one day. Never heard of her. Um, she goes by Catholic Caritas or Caritas, however you pronounce that. And I noticed my son, Catholicism, was one of her followers. I don't know how I followed her, or she followed me, or what. But um, I think she went to Texas a and I'm a big college football fan, so automatically want to talk to her because I went to the Auburn-Texas A&M game this past year, and we spiked them. So anyhow, then I looked at the poll a few days later, and people were saying, that ain't a bad idea. And then... After a while, uh, I changed all my platforms to Catholic Conversion Stories, and I wanted to see if anybody noticed, especially like my family and my best friends. They don't watch. My best friends don't watch. My family doesn't watch. And so, you know, I went back to Catholic for Rednecks, and by the time I went back to Catholic for Rednecks, all these people were saying they loved the other name, but my wife, who's usually right, unless she's driving, she is hereby banned from ever driving on trips or for GPS and navigating. My wife is banned. She can no longer drive on trips. She can't run the GPS. She can't. My wife could not find the state of Texas in a on a road map. You know, if you had a map of the United States, it'd take her 20 minutes to find state of Texas. And i tell you how bad she is driving. 
we're driving um, from New Jersey into New York City. is before you go under the or through the Holland Tunnel. And there's this one turn, and you see all of New York City, just beautiful. It was getting dark. It was, you know, still sunlight, but it was, the lights were on. It was gorgeous Empire State Building. And I said, look at that view of New York City. She said, where? And we're looking at, I said, right there. She said, that's not New York. I said, it is so. There's the Empire State Building, the, the Freedom Tower doodad and all that. And she's just looking, and then she missed our exit. We're going to Long Island. I got uh, my, my um, daughter-in-law, her family is from Long Island, which is a separate world from New York City, I found out. So we're actually going to Long Island, and... We were supposed to get off in a little town called Long Beach. Long Beach, Long Island. Now my parents met in Long Beach, Florida, and there was Long Beach, California. And so everyone told me when you land in Newark Airport, you get on this subway and you can be in Long Beach, Long Island in about 15 or 20 minutes. Man, we drove for like an hour on the Long Island Expressway. Never been there in my life. And I saw the sign for Amityville, you know, the spooky house. And I'm thinking, I thought Long Beach was here, Amityville, further up the island. And we went way past that. And the uh, it turned out that we had missed our exit by 40 miles, 40 miles, not by one or two exits, 40 freak. We were up there heading towards the tip of Long Island. It's a Long Island. It really is. And it's real wide. I was not expecting Long Island to be that wide. You know, I know it's like 110 miles this way, but the thickness of it, the width, whatever, you know, from coast to coast, from the Connecticut side to the Atlantic side, some of it's over 20 miles wide. It's big. I thought it was going to be just this, you know, intercoastal island that was like a beach town. Well, I was wrong. So Frontline, George Constanza, the Giorgio, George, are you the George from Seinfeld? You look like him. My wife loves Seinfeld, and my wife loves Friends, and I never did get in either one of them, but I kind of got a crush on Courtney Cox, you know, and, you know, just one day I saw her, I was like, oh, God, she's beautiful, so I've watched Friends about 800 times, but I couldn't tell you anything about the show because I'm gaga over Courtney Cox, so... I never found the name to be a barrier for me, even as someone who isn't from a southern part of the United States. I first started watching because of your weekly shorts of Sunday Mass. Yeah, you know what? You and a few million others, because when I started posting those shorts, and I'm not in any competition with anyone out here. 
There's no sense of me being in competition. I'm old, I'm going bald, uh, I'm losing my voice, I'm losing my hair. Um, I'm jacked up, I got scars all over my face. You can't really see them unless you're in person. Um, I don't have a good personality, I'm not a good speaker. I mean, I, I got a lot of, um, I don't have any star power. But there's a lot of Catholic influencers out there. I see your email, Frontline, Jonathan. I'll read it. But there's a, a lot of Catholic influencers out there that are in competition. And I don't think they start out that way. They just want to get out there and promote the gospel, promote the Catholic Church. And there's a lot of people doing it, especially young people, millennials, people under 30, just hundreds and hundreds are just popping out of the woodwork. And thank God, thank God. You know, a lot of Catholics are worried that the Catholic Church is dried up and nothing but old people. That's a big lie. It, it might be where you live, but Catholic Church, where I live, is full. I'm ancient, okay? There's hardly anybody older than me at my Catholic church. It's all 30-somethings, 20-somethings, just crawling with young people. A lot of them are YouTube and Instagram and TikToking. The faith, I uh, love it. Because I really, when I started this channel, I swear to you, I thought I was the only one. I thought I need to go on YouTube and teach and preach and explain the Catholic faith to regular old rednecks like me. I thought I was the only one. I thought I had a brand new idea. And for a long time, I didn't see anybody else on here that was doing the Catholic. Up here in Canada, it's old ladies. I hear that, man. I hear that. Why I like the authenticity of your channel. You are yourself and your content is unique. Thank God there ain't nobody else like me. Can you imagine two of me? But back to my point, there are some influencers that are in this, I won't say for the money, but it's, it can be tempting. If you're a pretty young lady, a millennial, or a good-looking guy like my sons, both of my sons are good-looking, then I can see where you get a lot of extra views. It's hard for an old guy. Like, I'm in real estate. All my co-workers look like supermodels. They're beautiful. They're on billboards in town. I call them the billboard girls, but the women I work with are beautiful women, and they're all over social media and, and all. You know, I get the leftovers. You know, they get, get a bad client they don't want, they bump them down to me. So, uh, hey, Frontline TV, do you mind telling me what part of Canada you're in? I have been to Canada. I've been kicked out of Canada before. I've been kicked out of a lot of places. It must be, excuse me, just slobbered over my, so I've been kicked out of the Vatican. I've been fired by EWTN. Um, I'm banned from EWTN. I can't go there unless I call security. Hello, security. This is Big Bad John. You better get your SWAT team ready because I'm coming to do my confession and go to Mass. 
So you can put everybody on high alert, get your SWAT team ready, your stun guns, your sniper rifles, call the Irondale Police Department, call the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, call the Marine Corps, the Army, the Green Beret, call the Cub Scouts, because John's coming to confession. See, that's what I have to do. I have to call EW10 Security and or Human Resources. Yeah. And then I got on Facebook and told some truth about some stuff. And guess what? I got a very ugly letter from their lawyers saying they would ruin my life if I didn't shut my mouth. So I agreed not to talk bad about them anymore. So I won't ever talk bad about them anymore. So Frontline TV, I live on the East Coast now, right on the border with Maine. The CBS Tower is viewable from my front yard. Man, Maine is so beautiful. A few years ago when I was rich, I uh, went by myself on a vacation. I called it a vacation. And I went and stayed in, I went to Kenny Bunkport, but I couldn't stay there. So I stayed in a town called Wells, W-E-L-L-S, Wells, Maine. But I did go to Kenny Bunkport and up the coast. And oh, my priest is from New Hampshire. And one of my regular guests is from New Hampshire. And I just, I love New England. I, I think it's beautiful. I think New England is beautiful. It's just cold up there. And I like to be down here. See, I'm in short sleeves. I bet you're wearing a survival coat. So anyhow, I want to be on here around 10 o'clock every day that I could to either have a guest or to answer questions about the Catholic church because when I put these shorts on and that's what I was getting to about competition if you're a Catholic YouTuber or any kind of YouTuber if you'll start hey hey I'm not sure how to say your name Kateri Kateri Katera Miss Games hey but if you want your YouTube channel to grow and mine went from 3,000 to it's almost 30,000, probably a virus. I probably bumped the wrong button because Rob R.O.B. from Blue Collar Catholic, he's always texting me about my channel blowing up. Well, there's nothing I'm doing except that I put shorts on. You know, shorts are they're little videos that you can make yourself or take from TikTok or, or somewhere, and they're less than a minute. And when you post them things, People watch them. I don't know where all they go, but the ones I do on the Catholic Mass have gotten, mm, I don't want to exaggerate, but I would say close to 3 million views separate from, nobody watches me. Now, right now I get seven people watching me out of 30,000. Seven out of 30,000. But tonight, if I look at this, there might be 100 to 300 people watch. So people aren't coming to my channel to see me. They're coming to see you. Because what I do is I shamelessly hijacked other people's content. And I repost it on my channel as shorts. 
okay? And sometimes it has a little subscribe. You can get a subscribe button put on your shorts. And, you know, there's a billion and a half Catholics out there. And a lot of them are on YouTube. YouTube's the number two search engine in the world next to Google. And you got to, you got to, uh, I want to answer that question. Why? I want to answer that question. But the mass seems to irritate non-Catholics. It is one beautiful, eye-catching religious church service. My oldest son Lee, he's been Protestant his whole life. He still says, what time is church service? I said, it's the mass. But showing videos of the Catholic mass causes hundreds of people a week to subscribe to my channel. So that's how my channel grew outside um, me accidentally bumping a setting, which I may have done. You know, they had my setting at auto sales for a long time, auto sales, cars and automotive. And I'm thinking, no wonder my channel don't ever get any views. Okay. Laura B. Dannon, depends on what do you mean by supernatural. Everything we believe in in the church is about heaven and hell, and that is supernatural. Um, Frontline TV, I am in the great state of Alabama, okay? Alabama, where EWTN is located, the Ava Grotto, um, the Shrine of the Blessed Sacrament, Mother Angelica, Alabama. It's 97%. Protestant. If you are a Catholic in the state of Alabama, you stick out like a sore thumb. If you have a rosary on your rearview mirror in the state of Alabama, everybody thinks they're Mardi Gras beads. So you have to be careful. They think they're Mardi Gras beads. If you don't know what the beads are, then Google Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday. Okay. Okay. Where did all uh, why is it bad to be interested in the paranormal as a Catholic? I've heard different answers. Um, that's a very interesting question. And I just asked, asked it myself, you know, and, and Laura's right. that Christianity is a supernatural faith. And everything we do in the Catholic Church has a supernatural connection. I mean, even the, the Bible says the Bible, the Word of God is alive. It's living. It's something living. We know that the uh, Spirit gives life. We got the Holy Spirit. When I was Pentecostal, we call him the Holy Ghost. We got miracles, signs, wonders, relics, saints, Fatima, Guadalupe, that's all supernatural, demon possession, exorcisms, all that supernatural. Um, when we believe that when the priest raises, blesses the bread and wine, they become the blood and flesh of Jesus Christ. That's supernatural. When a man and woman get married by a priest, they become one. That's supernatural. When you get baptized and that water hits you, Physically, something supernatural happens. So, Father Chad Ripperger, 
I'd love to say his name and probably say it wrong. Yeah, why? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever watched Father Chad Ripperker, R-I-P-P-B-E-R-G-E-R. He is an exorcist. And from what I gather, he's probably the top one around these parts. I know there's some in Italy that are big. But he does a lot of teaching about it, about the supernatural. And I'm interested in the supernatural. And I listen to many, many podcasts every day and night. I listen to lots of podcasts. I have a podcast, Catholic for Rednecks. If you'll go there and hit the five-star rating and subscribe, I appreciate it. But I'm interested in that stuff. And Father Chad said that the number one, I think he said this, the number one doorway to being demon-possessed or harassed is curiosity. You ever heard the expression, curiosity killed the cat? Yeah. Um, a lot of us are curious about things like demons, angels, folklore, uh, the Amityville house. See, I, I got on there. I was in Long Island last week, and I went to that Amityville house, you know, in the movie, and I read, I saw that movie when I was like 18, when it come out, and that movie scared me to death. And my brother, Hank, we both went on to become police officers, but we went to see that movie together when we were teenagers, and that movie scared us so bad. We were Baptists. We were born and raised Baptists. We didn't have anything supernatural in the Baptist church ever, never. No exposure. It was solid, read the Bible, nothing else. No supernatural. And we were so scared that we turned the dome light on in the car. And we were afraid to go home. Because we grew up with no dad, no big brothers, nothing like that. And I remember driving around and getting stopped by um, by someone. I think it was either a police officer, a later became a police officer. Or I think it was a school teacher. Someone saw us and, and flagged us down. What are you boys doing out so late? And we just said, we're coming, going home from a movie. But the movie had been out for like two hours. We were scared. That movie scared me. Then I went out and bought the book, The Amityville Horror. That book scared the poop out of me, terrified me. And I believed every word of it. And then two years ago when I was still drinking, I don't drink. One of these trolls got on here and blasted me in the comment section about me drinking. Well, they made it may have been looking at something from, you know, my past, because I do not drink. This right here is black cherry sparkling ice. I don't drink alcohol. I don't even take it in communion, okay? Because I just don't. I don't drink anything but black coffee, water, Diet Coke, maybe. I don't drink beer. I don't drink wine or anything. But we went to Savannah, and we were talking to our friend yesterday about Savannah, Georgia. 
and it's supposed to be the most haunted city in America. How can curiosity open the door to the demonic? I always heard that it was the things you did. We went to Savannah. It's supposed to be, I listened to about 15 podcasts about Savannah, Georgia. And there's been so much bloodshed there on the revolution. And there's just piles and piles of all mass graves in Savannah of dead British and American soldiers. Irish immigrants come there and Irish were looked down on. They were scum. They were low. They were just treated like scum. They were Catholic. You couldn't be Catholic and you couldn't drink. Those are the two things Savannah was built on. But all the Irish immigrants were dying. They just mass graves and they built on top of it. And Savannah's got all these parks, beautiful city, palm trees everywhere, um, moss and the big water oak trees. It's a beautiful city. It's like one of the oldest cities in America. It's gorgeous. And, but like every other house down there or hotel or bed and breakfast is freaking a poltergeist, haunted. You can go to Spotify, when you go to Catholic for Rednecks on Spotify, when you're done subscribing to my channel and giving me a five-star rating, then you can Google Savannah, Georgia, or Haunted Savannah, and there's all kinds of podcasts that you can listen to. So me and my wife went down there, and it was like an anniversary, and we stayed in a haunted hotel. I think it's called the, the Marshall House, like Taylor Marshall, the Marshall House. I think that was the name. It was a civil war and a morgue. During, I mean, it was a hospital and morgue in the civil war. And it, the ground was too cold to dig graves. So they would place bodies they couldn't bury in the floorboards and in crawl spaces and all. And some of them stayed there a long time, supposed to be haunted. There's a tavern there trying to think of it it's the pirate house the pirate house and it's got a tragic history because you know young men would go there to get drunk and get the women you know a cat house prostitution they'd get drunk and the pirates would uh kidnap them in their sleep load them up on the pirate ship and they were slaves it's just but you can take pictures in that place. You've heard of orbs, the little white lights. People think they're spirits, angels, fairies, Bigfoot things, whatever. But you you know, you can take pictures down there and look at look at your phone a minute later and there's orbs everywhere. I might post some. I don't know if it's demonic or not. But I felt kind of bad for going because the way I was looking at it is anything supernatural even if it's the, the bad stuff, seems to increase my faith in God and the good stuff. And I know that sounds bad. So I went to confession with Father Jerebek. And he's a really good priest. He is my pastor and my priest. And he does Latin Mass, too. But he wears one of them little fur hats at Mass. And I told him, you know, I went to a couple of haunted houses paranormal houses in Savannah. He said, why did you go? 
this is during confession. Uh, so I just, you know, to me, experiencing supernatural things seems to make me, my faith stronger. He said, you don't have to do that. All you got to do is turn on the news or TV and see there's a devil and that it's real. You just need the word of God, blah, 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 blah. So um, I did go to the Amityville house to see it. And I agree with you, um, Katera. I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, but you know, what I got from Father Ritberger, like people want to play with tarot cards, which I've never done. I never will. They want to go see a fortune teller. They want to play with a Ouija board. They want to fool around doing a seance, mostly because they're curious. Will something happen? Will I be able to talk to my grandmother? Will somebody knock once for yes and twice for no? Will a candle move? And I've seen a lot of that stuff at mass. But um, people, I think that's what he means by being curious. Hey, your dedication to the faith is outstanding. Thank you, Keith. I'm trying. I'm trying. I just wish I was a better person. You know, you can have it all up here, but not have it here. And what comes out of here is very telling of what's in here, besides what's in here. So I've heard you can have demonic things attached to you when you watch, listen, or visit things that are haunted. That could be true. Um, my wife works at this company. I'm not going to say the name of it, but one of the people that worked there <clears throat> had a doll, and I hate dolls. Dolls and clowns freak me out. Have you ever heard of uh, Wrinkles the Clown? I think so. that's what he's called, Wrinkles the Clown. Um, I've texted the dude before. He's texted me. And there's a thing on Netflix about him. But anytime, I think anytime you watch something secular, demonic, like the movie The Exorcist, um, I made it 59 years without watching that movie. And then last summer, summer before last, someone in my family begged me to watch The Exorcist. And so I watched it, and what's weird is, you know what, I got a picture of Mary, a girl named Rico sent it to me. And I don't know if it's a supernatural paranormal picture or, or what. You know, there's people that claim they've taken pictures of the Blessed Virgin, of Jesus, of Mary, but it's right up there in my mirror, and I keep looking up there. And she's looking at me. But I watched a movie on this TV. It's like a, this TV costs as much as a car. It was just multi-dimensional. And the, the movie, the picture was so real. I mean, you could just, I mean, I was like six feet from this giant wall size screen. And I've got a big TV. But the characters in the exorcism were so real, you could, it's like you were a part of it, and I could feel something. And 
I know from listening to a podcast about that movie that thousands of people all over America went to the ER after seeing that movie or had bad stuff happen. And I was in Washington, D.C. Saturday. And on my list of things to see, I was going to go see that house. It's there. And I was going to go see that those stairs in Exorcist. And you can even GPS it, and it says the stairs in the Exorcist. Right there by the White House, you can go, Georgetown. Uh, but things happen. I'm going to do a podcast. Something happened to keep us from going. But I felt like watching that movie kind of opened up a door because a lot of bad stuff went on in my life after watching that movie. And I didn't really watch it by choice. I was begged to. And I watched it. And a lot of the movie I really, really enjoyed. I know the guy that wrote the book is a Catholic. Um, I've heard he's a Jesuit. Now, Jesuits get a bad name today. But Father Mitch, and I know Father Mitch, I spent time with him. I used to drive for him and be his security. Been to his house a number of times, been in his house, know where he lives. And uh, he's a Jesuit. He's on fire for God. He is the real deal. I don't know if you've ever seen him on EWTN, but he is the real deal. Jesuit is an order. Um, if you're familiar with sororities and fraternities in college and high school, they have different orders, different fraternities, different sororities Well, within Catholic Church, in the clergy, priesthood, whatever, there's different fraternities, orders, sororities, not, you know, there's different organizations that follow after different saints or way, like there's Franciscans, Dominicans, uh, Jesuit priests, um, there's just different kinds, Car uh, Car Carmel, Carmelite, all kinds. But Jesuits, I think, or the only ones that swear a blood oath for Jesus, if I'm not mistaken. I think they take some kind of oath to die before they would allow something to happen to Jesus or disown him. Somebody on here knows it. But um, a Jesuit wrote that book. The man that wrote the book, The Exorcist, he has since sued Catholic universities for being liberal because he didn't want his Catholic dollars going to a Catholic university that was not teaching the Catholic faith properly. So he filed a lawsuit on them. And you can Google that to see what's up with it. But in the, in the book and in the movie, The Exorcist, all that mess that happened and that house and that family was triggered by a little trinket, a little idol, a little statue, a little doll, a little thing that someone brought back from the Middle East, I think Iran or Iraq. So it wound up in somebody's house. I grew up with stuff in my house that I really think had spirits attached to it. I grew up in a freaking haunted house. And people would see stuff and hear stuff in that house 
all the time. And it was a freaky place to live. They've torn it down since. But even my nieces and nephews, when they lived there, because my, my mom owned the house, then my middle brother, he lived there with his family. Then my mom lived there again. Then, you know, it changed hands and stuff. And But, it, you know, my nieces and nephews would see stuff in that house all the time. But we had stuff in there that my dad brought home from overseas. And I grew up with a wooden carved statue of Buddha in my house. And... It was on the, we had a, I think it was like built-in library shelves next to the fireplace. And we had old Buddha up there. And to me as a kid, you know, my dad was in the Navy for 20 years and he served in Vietnam and Korea. And to me, it was just a souvenir he brought back from Asia, from Vietnam or Japan or whatever, a Buddha. Harmless. Didn't think nothing of it. I was a kid. But that Buddha sat in our house all my life from the time I was a kid till I, I you know, till I was moved out, till I joined the Marine Corps. I've also lived in a haunted house. I think this trailer in the woods we lived in might have been haunted. I hated living in those places. I still sometimes have nightmares. I've lived in two haunted houses. So I know the feeling. But also, this is neat. You know the sacred heart of Jesus? Well, we were Southern Baptists. And like I said, Southern Baptists, they, they don't believe in nothing fun. I mean, they just, that's probably the most driest, boring religion that's ever been existed. And we had a sacred heart of Jesus, and it was big. Is real big. I'm trying to look. It was, it was really big, and it was it was an antique, like it was really old, like you would get at a antique store, and it had a glass curvature to it, and it was almost, it was a painting, and you know Jesus is doing this thing, and he's got the Sacred Heart, and I think it had a crown of thorns around it, and he had piercings in his hand. And everywhere you'd walk in that house, Jesus, my eyes would be watching you. But we didn't know it was the Sacred Heart. We just thought it was Jesus. But I would dream about that picture. And that picture would talk, come to life in my dreams and talk to me. And so that's two things we had in there. And all. Uh, we had, I mean, I don't want to start crying. I could start crying. I mean, I had some bad stuff. I grew up in some bad stuff and went through a lot. I was raised, it wasn't anybody's fault, but um, I had a um, an interesting childhood and upbringing. I don't talk about it much at all, but it's, no doubt that there was some demonic activity in that house, and the house is torn down. But 
There's a lot of stories about that place. Does it affect the way you sleep? Yes. Do you have to have light source or can you sleep in total darkness? No, I don't have to have any light. Um, I lived in another house and I sold it, I bought it when I was a police officer. And I thought it was a mansion when I bought it. I thought it was a mansion, first house I ever bought. And I owned that house for like 11 years. And that house was so dang creepy. And look here, if you got a pen handy, write down this, the cat man or cat man, C-A-T man, cat man. And I did a YouTube called The Cat Man. On my channel, you have to stick it in that little search thing. But my family and myself experienced all kinds of creepy stuff in that house, and I do not know why. But you ever heard of uh, sleep paralysis? I think that's the word they call it now, um, why, and Kateri. But have you ever been half asleep, half awake, like you're in a dream, but you're wide awake and you're panicking and it feels like something or somebody's holding you down that weighs a million pounds and everything's going black and you can't breathe, you can't move. Um, you're just, your whole body is tensed up and you have this all this fear just come all over you. And I've experienced that many times in my life. I've even experienced it uh, in about the past year. In the past year or two, I've had that. I used to have it a lot, like when I was in my teenage years, when I was in my 30s. And there have been times where I was having like a spiritual awakening in my life, such I had one in 1994, where I had been backslidden out of church for like 10 years, and then I was coming back to church and was having a, you know, what we call a revival and everything. And a lot of it happened then. Um, I, I don't know if it's demonic or chemistry. Oh, yes, I've experienced sleep paralysis frequently in haunted houses we lived in. I even experienced it somewhere I live now. Yeah. Um, a priest said we had to bless religious items. We had to be careful to whom we take or buy religious items from. Um, I agree with you. You know, I told you I worked at EWTN, and I worked there for a few years, and they had the best priest in the world there. The friars, the ones, if you watch EWTN, the live mass, those friars, they're Franciscan friars. They're the real deal. I love them. I've had some of them in my personal life. But I've had, they they had like baskets of free rosaries. And I don't know where they come from. But I would just grab two or three all the time because I used to have tons, I'm, tons of roses in the house. Gave one away uh, yesterday. But I have lots of rosaries and one time we got a call and we were had to get rid of a bunch of rosaries because the, the 
crucifix on the rosaries. Okay, my, my lawyer's texting me something up there. I got to call him in a little bit. But on the crucifix, it has some kind of um, stamp or figure engraved in it, you know, from the factory. And it was something, I think it was something demonic. So we had to confiscate all these rosaries, you know, armloads of them, and they destroyed them. So I'm careful. People mail me stuff. I don't even know who they are, but I get packages and gifts, Catholic stuff from all over the world. And sometimes I don't know who sent it. So I have had a priest. If you ever watch Father Leonard Mary on EWTN, he's been over here uh, a couple of times and uh, there's another priest that's come over here and actually said mass in my house. We had mass. It was a special circumstance. Don't beat me up with comments. But he uh, said mass in my house. And when he said mass in this house right here, we had Pope John Paul II's personal chalice. And we had mass with Pope John Paul's chalice here. I've got relics here. I don't have too many relics, but I have a few relics. I have a piece of the empty tomb of Jesus. I have all, of course, I got holy water. Um, I've got all kinds of things. I've even got some orthodox stuff. Y'all know what this is? Oops. You ever seen one of these? <clears throat> now, I'm... I'm 100% Catholic. I'm going to tell you right now, I got no beef with our Orthodox brothers. None at all. I don't debate them. I don't argue with them. I don't care. To me, the Orthodox, Catholic, Coptic is one family. <clears throat> we might have some domestic issues in the family, in the house, but um, this is... Orthodox has been blessed by an Orthodox priest. I forget what it's called. How do you find or get relics? I used to suffer from that. The only thing that would relieve it would be praying to our Father or saying the name of Jesus. Yeah, I would say Jesus, Jesus. I could only say it mentally. In my mind, I would say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it would take a while to come out of my mouth. And that would break it every time. It could be demonic. It could be. I don't know. But saying Jesus, how to find, get relics. You know, I've never tried to get them. But there's three kind of relics, first, second, third class. And somehow I've been able to get them or get blessed by them. Now, I know the protesters get mad about that stuff, but it's all over the Bible. You cannot refuse. Everything Catholic is in that Bible somewhere. The Catholics would not put together a book. It was against their own faith. The Catholic Church put together the book, every book in the Bible. 
was selected by the Catholic Church on purpose and has been guarded and preserved. And it just, to no wonder, it just amazes me to no wonder these people that leave these comments every day, all day long, on my YouTube, Instagram, that want to tell me that all oh, the Catholic Church, the Catholic Mass is unbiblical. Read the Bible. The Bible is a Catholic book. When someone tells me that the Catholic Church is not biblical, it tells me they know nothing about the Bible. They know nothing about the Catholic Church. I don't care if they were born and raised in the Catholic Church. They do not know anything about it. You remember when Jesus said to those people, depart from me, I never knew you. They were saying Jesus all their life, but they never knew him. And you can say Catholic, go to Catholic school, go to mass your whole life and not be Catholic or know what's going on. Carita, how do you find and get relics? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anybody knows where you can find or... Um, Katera, do, do me a favor. When you get a chance, text me at john at catholicforrednecks.com. Shoot me an email. Text me there. And I know, I do know a priest, and I'm not going to say his name, but he has a massive relic collection. It could be that you could just pray and ask God to send you a relic and someone gives you one. I've given, I'm about to get, I've got a relic. I've been hanging on since before I was Catholic. I'm about to give it away. I've got, you know, every altar at a Catholic church has a relic on that altar or somewhere close to the altar. And the relic we have at my home parish was the chalice of St. John Paul II. I don't know how we got it, but they let people at the church take it home and keep it in their home for days at a time. So it's been in this house. So anything demonic in this house, all, oh, has got to go. Because from what I understand, I'm not an exorcist. But the more relics, icons, images, Catholic stuff you have in your house, um, it gives demonic spirits migraines. I know the rosary, they hate the rosary. They absolutely hate the rosary. They hate images of Jesus. I got, I love images of Jesus. And even the Protestants, they get mad at us for having images, they have images. But I got an image. See, when I worked at EWTN, Oh, that's cool. I didn't know about Catholic altars. Yeah. You know, Catholic Church has an altar. And all these other churches call their pulpit or their stage an altar. They don't have an altar. An altar is something where a sacrifice takes place. Okay? Abraham built altars and made sacrifice. He offered up his son Isaac. So when the priest is offering up the Eucharist, it is the same sacrifice as Jesus. You become one. Mass comes to Jesus on the cross 
when he was lifted up, everything is ground zero. It's one sacrifice. It's a supernatural thing that happens in the Catholic Church. It does not happen at the Baptist Church or the non-denominational church. And the churches that are proclaiming spiritual gifts, signs, wonders, visions, healings, miracles, they don't have it. Only we have it. The rosary in Latin is powerful. Um, I don't know any Latin hardly. It's hard for me to get Latin down. I've got friends that pray the rosary in Latin. I would like to learn how. But I understand demons do not like that language at all. And uh, I'll have to find out where you get relics. Because you got to be careful what you buying or getting. Because sometimes, I hate to say it, man, people will con you uh, into, into buying stuff and paying for stuff that ain't even real. But, so, okay, I got one relic. You're going to think this is funny. And I know Protestants will think it's funny. I've got a bottle, an empty bottle of beer. I think it's Corona beer. And someone that I believe is or will become officially by the church a saint drank that beer at my house, a priest. Everybody knows his name, if I mention his name. And I hang on to that beer bottle. It's got maybe half a swig left in it. And I've got I've got it over there because I believe, you know, relic is also something that a saint used. Maybe all. Like for instance, now I don't know if this is true. I think it's true, but when a pope dies or a saint, someone they believe, you know, like Padre Pio. I've read and heard, I've been told that they like shave some of their hair off, take their blood and hair and things uh, for a couple of reasons. But one reason is if they're a saint, then, you know, that's a relic. And if you touch a relic, and this is in the Bible, if you touch a relic, then that blessing of that relic, that power, that anointing can be transferred from that holy relic to what you touch it with. So you see this right here? They call this a Madonna, not the rock star, but this is a medallion of the Virgin Mary. And I've heard it's called, I don't want you to see my boogers, I've heard it's called a Madonna. <clears throat> now, my wife gave this to me the night I was confirmed Catholic. And I've worn it every, you know, I've, I've aware. And it's been blessed so many times. And sometimes, like when I worked at EWT, look, I'm spoiled Catholic. I'm spoiled ass rotten Catholic. Because I live in a place where there are no Catholics, hardly. Yet, we have so much Catholic stuff here that people dream about seeing. And I had the opportunity to work at EWTN 
for a few years in security. And because I was in security, I had all access. And I got to be around and see some stuff. And I got another video on Wyatt and Katera. You might want to watch it. If you go to uh, my videos here on the channel, I think it's called The Four Times Mother Angelica Spoke to Me. And if you didn't know, she passed away Easter a few years ago. And she's buried up in the shrine of the Blessed Sacrament down in the lower crypt. And it's a very special, supernatural, holy place, if you can go there. It's in Hartsel, Hansville, Alabama. Hansville. Look at it on the map. It's below Coleman. It's between Birmingham and Coleman. I-65. Been there many times, but she's buried there, and you can really feel God's presence in that lower crypt. And they had a crypt. They used to have a crypt at EWTN that no one knew was there, but when the friars would die, they would bury their bodies in the wall. And people walked past the outside of that wall all the time, didn't know that there were a bunch of dead priests buried in that wall. And, but, you know, I had all access. And there were certain places uh, at the network where I worked a night shift where I would go to pray. And God's always allowed me behind the scenes access to all uh, famous priests and preachers and um, I've worked for a bunch of them, Protestant and Catholic, very, very famous evangelists, priests, teachers. That's very famous. And so I've been around a lot of uh, relics. But when I worked at EWTN, they would bring relics in all the time. And they would announce it. They'd send an email out. We're going to have this, this, and this from St. So-and-so-so. Like, uh, the, I've seen hearts that are incorrupted. And what incorrupted means, if you don't know, one of the signs of a saint is they look at their body and if it doesn't rot, I hate to use that word, but if it doesn't rot, that's a sign, incorruptible. Remember Jesus said his body shall not see corruption. Um, that's one of the reasons we believe in the uh, sanctity of the Virgin Mary because Every mother has their child's DNA floating around their bloodstream right now. If you've ever had a child, I don't care. That child's been dead 50 years. That child's living DNA is in your bloodstream as a scientific fact. So the Virgin Mary had the living DNA of God in her bloodstream, so she could not die and rot like a regular person. She had to be removed, just like Jesus, because the Bible says, I think twice in Acts, that Jesus could not see corruption. That means he couldn't rot. He was raised from the dead, so Mary was had to be, or that Bible verse is a lie, because science tells us that the living blood and DNA, the genetic matter of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is still alive, and it was in Mary's body, 
her entire earthly life and is there now. So that blows my mind. That's one of the reasons they don't, you know, they won't, they'll look, they'll dig up a pope or a saint after a certain, certain amount of years and check their body to see if there's any signs of corruption because saints aren't supposed to corrupt. And I've seen human hearts that are hundreds of years old that, I mean, they don't look like they just got, you know, pulled out open heart surgery, but it's still there. Yeah, uh, it is powerful. Um, but they have, there's a lot of people that get around relics and smell roses. And I've experienced that. Now, it could have been a trick. I was a police officer. I'm a skeptic by nature. That's why I don't really run off after anything. But uh, I've had Catholics tell me when they've been around the Virgin Mary or a relic or maybe at Mass that they could smell a heavy scent of roses. And I've experienced that one time. And I don't think it was a trick. Now, it could have been that somebody got some rose-scented air fresher and bombed the place for hours. But I tell you what, when they took those relics out, that scent was gone. And I think air freshener and carpet freshener and all that would linger. Because we got some old air fresheners in here. They ain't been refilled in a year and I can still smell them. But they brought in relics from uh, the Pope, uh, Kobe, you know, Maxim, Maximian, Kobe, the uh, prisoner of war. Uh, I think they had his hair and uh, once some hair from the Pope's beards and blood. And they've got, man, they got uh, EWTN. They got some stuff you ain't never going to see unless you got all access. They got some relics. But what I would do is always when they, and sometimes Father Jerebic, he'll bring a relic to our church is I'll just go up and touch my Madonna necklace or touch my rosary and receive a blessing from that. It's not a lucky charm. Padre Pio had a particular holy scent. Love Padre Pio. And everybody thought he was crazy. You know, they shipped him off to the nut house and everything. A lot of his contemporaries thought he was just bat crazy. And uh, we got a priest like that here in Birmingham. You can look him up, Father Gray Bean. He is the pastor of St. Teresa Catholic Church in Leeds. You can look him up, Father Gray Bean. And that man has had a lot of supernatural stuff happen to him in his ministry and still does. And the church sent him up to the nut house. The Catholic Church has a nut house. I think it's in Maryland. And that's where they'll send you to get checked out. If they think you might have a few loose screws. So they sent Father Bean up to the nut house a couple of years ago. They sent him back. But I have seen and experienced a couple of supernatural spooky things with Father Bean. Uh, if you ever hear him tell 
his story on TV or the radio about when he was saying mass and candlesticks slung and the wax went all over him during mass concert. I was there when it happened. And also later on when I, when he showed his robe with all the wax on it, I was there for that. And he's had all kinds of visions of angels, saints, Jesus, devils. He's done exorcisms. So the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, the Catholic religion is the most supernatural religion there is. And I, I feel sorry for my non-denominational, charismatic, Pentecostal friends that have such a hunger and a zeal. They're all about visions and God's power and manifestations and signs and wonders, and they're not even looking where they're... I mean, the Catholic Church has hundreds of... praying for you all I am, and I appreciate you tuning in, and please like and share.